Honey, where is my podcast? Hello, world. This is Eric Dye with the very cool Jeremy Smith and super awesome Phil Schneider. This is episode 46 of the Church Mag Podcast. If you are uh, a fan of comic books or anywhere aware of Catwoman as a character, I don't think you were shocked by that news. Are they really pushing the envelope, or is this more really a reflection of what's being accepted in the culture? DC is following the Batman persona of, we're not going to make this comic book E. We're going to try to make this feel as real life as possible. This week's podcast is brought to you by the ebook Preaching in a Whatever World. Deliver messages that cut through the noise. Made available through churchmagpress.com. This week on the podcast, we talk comic books. But first, here's a Church Mag Pro tip about sermon series branding from Jonathan Malm. Hey guys, Jonathan Malm here with a quick ministry tip. Today's tip is all about effective sermon series branding, specifically using the power of theme and feel. Imagine with me as I say these locations. What images come to mind? Santa's workshop. Probably thinking of snow, the North Pole, elves in green clothing, reindeer, magic, presents. How about Willy Wonka's chocolate factory? Probably think of whimsy, bright colors, mystery, candy, childhood, distorted angles, and everything being edible. How about Hogwarts? The power in each of these locations is the theme and the emotions or feelings associated with them. They're instantly recognizable because they have a unified theme to them. When you're developing graphics for a sermon series, imagine taking this sort of thing into account. What feeling, theme, or emotion do you want your sermon series to have? If you're doing a series called The Big Fight, there's a good chance you want grunge, sweat, pressure, ringing bells. Those are all part of your theme. It's not just a pair of boxing gloves. That's forgettable, but those themes are memorable. Or a series called Unsinkable, you might want to incorporate strength, ice, groaning and creaking sounds, bravado, icebergs. A ship is forgettable, but the themes and feelings are memorable. Look for ways to make your sermon series branding more memorable by tapping into these visual themes and emotions associated with them. That's today's tip. I want to encourage you to check out my two books for church creatives. The first is Created for More, a 30-day devotional to help you start seeing your life more creatively. And the second one is Unwelcome, 50 ways you can make your church more welcoming. Grab them on Amazon.com or iBooks. Oh my gosh. I think... Oh Good morning, gentlemen. It's him. Hello, hello. Hey, Phil, we're wondering if you could maybe decode your sausage finger message. You said, don't get stuck on my street. Can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear us? Phil, can you hear us? It's helpful to unmute your headphones. It is helpful. Let's try this again. Phil, you said on Slack, don't get stuck on my street. I will be on ASAP. We're thinking, we're assuming that this was was a... I was going to say, didn't didn't get stuck on my icy street. Okay. Okay. I've got my car's gotten stuck past two days. Well, I don't. I don't say that to make it sound like what was me, because honestly, things could be a whole lot worse. Look, Phil, you've never come across as the person that is a "woe is me" type. In fact, you're quite the opposite. I don't know. There was that one. There was that one time about being Batman or Superman. He was kind of whiny. <laughs> well, okay, it's because it's only because I am clearly Superman. I don't know what Casey's thinking. Just because he's all fit and whatnot and actually looks, you know, handsome. 
I mean, you're the classic Superman 40. I'm just saying. <laughs> Are you saying I'm Superman at 40, even though I'm only 30? Dude, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said 30, but that doesn't have quite the same ring to it, like from no, it a doesn't. humor, it humor doesn't, perspective. It's okay. It's okay. I, have, I have teaching in the inner city and then um, just being generally unhealthy has really aged me. <laughs> generally unhealthy i think it was mostly that it, it's all right when i was your age i was i weighed um a good 50 pounds more than i do now so keep hope alive i thought and i stopped working out that was a big thing that's hopefully going to change now that we're in the house and i am going to be building a personal gym in the basement or as i like to call it i will be building a temple to enhance this temple that's a pretty long title but i think we can roll with it it fits on a poster okay <laughs> all right let's kick things off eric die here along with the very cool phil schneider good morning and the very awesome jeremy smith is it morning i, I just assumed it's morning you know if it's, <laughs> if it's not pause this and come back to it tomorrow I actually found out. I actually found out in college, my freshman year, that it's not officially considered morning until four a.m. At least that's the crazy bonker rules that we made up because the birds don't start chirping until four a.m. And so when the birds start chirping at four a.m., we can officially call that morning. Whereas for all the frat boys that are still out at three o'clock, it's still considered nighttime. So, I guess we can officially say good morning. That's good. I guess. Unless you're, unless you're listening to the podcast at like 3 p.m. and then good afternoon. Well, unlike some other podcasts, we are an actual international podcast. So even as we record this, it's afternoon where I'm at. It's morning where you guys are at. So quite frankly, you can listen to this whenever you like. And it's good morning somewhere. Can we just go Australia and be like, good day? And just call it like that? Yeah, yeah. We should just end the podcast right there. Five minutes of, <laughs> of genius. If you're, if you're if you're an Aussie listener, I am so sorry for that, by the way. <laughs> that was a terrible Australian impression. That was very, that was awful. I'm trying to think of a great way to segue this. So instead of trying to segue it, I'm going to talk about trying to figure out how to segue this as the segue, kind of inception action going on there. Phil, what's this news that you shared on the back channel about Catwoman. Well, uh, the news is that uh, Catwoman has come out as bisexual, which if you are uh, a fan of comic books or anywhere, any, in any way aware of Catwoman as a character, I don't think you were shocked by that news. She's uh, an incredibly flirtatious person and uh, with, with pretty much anyone with legs or without, I don't think she really is that, is that uh, <laughs> discerning. Um, but uh, I wanted to talk about it just for a minute because it's, this just kind of reinforces the idea we have. Um, we've discussed numerous times on Church Mag that science fiction, comic books, they push the envelope for the, further and faster than anyone else does. And I think that uh, it's, it's, you know, this is a, um, it's a pretty uh, big character. She's got a pretty big following among people. Um, some folks were shocked when Green Lantern came out as gay a few years ago. But then, like, it, was, it wasn't the Green Lantern everyone knows and, and loves, like Hal Jordan. It was uh, Alan Scott, the first Green Lantern, like, from technically from Earth 2, I think it was. So that's all. I just super nerded you guys. Sorry about that. But uh, this is, a, this is a, a mainstream character who's coming out in continuity as bisexual. That's, um, that's a, a big deal. I'm not... Obviously, I'm necessarily in favor of that. I don't, I'm not. Uh, I, I don't. I don't agree with that lifestyle. I don't agree with that. Uh, uh, 
I don't know, well, let's move on past that. I don't agree with it. But it shows the idea here that science fiction is pushing societal envelopes faster and further than anyone else does. And the church constantly lags behind in both its response and also its cultural message. The church is not putting out a cohesive uh, narrative response. We don't have characters. We don't have story. We don't have anything that... Um, shows life how we think it should be lived. Are they really pushing the envelope or is this more really a reflection of what's being accepted in the culture? Because I would I would push back or argue that this is more of a reflection than than something that's at the wheel. And I would also I think it's interesting and curious that you know you pointed out the the, the Green Lantern coming out, um, and now we have this deal with with uh, Catwoman. That both of these comics are DC based, so I can't help but wonder if this is kind of a uh, internal workings of DC as it functions as or an organization more than it does with science fiction pushing the boundaries because both of those characters are DC. Uh, Marvel's had, Marvel's had far more characters come out. I just I know DC better than Marvel, so I mentioned those two. Okay, so that that points null and void but still i mean yeah, do, but, but, could, no i think it's it is a reflection in some sense eric but think if you will think of a, a popular tv show okay think of i mean okay think of like sherlock all right okay if you watch sherlock yes the bbc series no of course you do okay so on there on there moriarty the character moriarty is he seems creepy right Sherlock sometimes seems relatively creepy, okay? Like, what if it came out? What if they did this episode, this new season, where Sherlock and Moriarty, you know, you know, snog, as the British would say, okay? <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's, that's what's happening. See, that's where it's push, push the envelope. It's not that it's a gay character. It's, it's a main character. It's a popular mainstay character who's coming out. Here's my interpretation of it is it's less about the culture and it's more about the diver- diversification of the two genres because they're they're essentially trying to figure out how are we unique from the other people? How are the Avengers unique from Justice League? And my interpretation of it, at least to this point in the past eight to ten years, is DC is following the Batman persona of we're not going to make this comic book e we're going to try to make this feel as real life as possible and so we're going to scare the pants off of you about joker because this could happen in your backyard and we're going to try to make cultural influences within comic book text whereas my experience with the marvel situation is this is just a whole different world and it's a parallel universe compared to ours and a lot of crazy things can happen that just don't happen in our world. Maybe one day a portal will open up and we can experience all this stuff, but until that happens, it's just not going to be for us. We just have to read it in this comic book. And so I, I see the two diverging like that for that very reason, whereas um, I don't think Disney brand can ever hold on to something that DC comic is going to do. And I think DC comic is just trying to capitalize on the fact that they don't have to hold to the Disney persona and they can just go for it and try to reinvent everything and just absolutely capitalize on this could happen to you guys if the right circumstances happen. See, I don't, I don't necessarily know if I agree with that, that dichotomy between two because Batman still has crossovers with justice league, which are just as impl- sure. improbable as anything else. Sure. Um, but I do think you're right about the diversity. That's a good point. Cause think about it, you know, Thor relaunched a few months ago and now Thor is a woman. Um, and so I think there's a, there is that that take on it, and I think what the church should take from this is that uh, comic books. And you're, Eric, you're right; they reflect the readership. Comic books, you know, superheroes were all boys, were all were all men, you know, because boys read them. And I, I heard one 
uh, philosopher or comic book expert who remarks, you know, people look back at like early Batman comics and think Batman and Robin were gay, uh, and they weren't. I wasn't, that wasn't the implication. The implication was Batman and Robin were living every boy's dream, hanging out with your friends, you know, beating up bad guys, being cool. Batman didn't have a girlfriend because girls had cooties, right? Because all the readers of Batman were like, you know, eight years old. So, you know, the comic books reflect the, re- the, reflect the readership and the readership's worldview, and that's what I think we should take away from this. People are now seeing um, an extreme need for not just a, a female hero, hero, but a female to take on the mythos of, of, a, of a male hero, the pr- prior predominantly male hero. That would be the push to make a, the Doctor a woman in Doctor Who. So I think what we're seeing here is a, is a total change-up, uh, a different a paradigm shift where gender is now nothing. Right, you, a, a woman can play what, who used to a, a, a formerly male character, and that the sexuality is no longer a thing. It's no longer part. It's no longer an issue. It's just boom. That's who you are. Right? It's like, oh, I've got brown hair. Oh, hey, he's gay. That's that's how it is. And I think that's what the church needs to realize: is that the the, I, the thoughts behind these things have changed. Well, and I think that it goes even beyond that because the DC comics have started to talk about mental illness and how does that affect. And so obviously this is down my line. Um, and I don't think it's going to stop there. I think it's going to talk about drug addiction for a lot of people. I think it's going to talk about how the mental illness completely humanizes everybody that's going on, levels the playing field versus good and bad. And not every good character has the most pristine version of what's going on, at least for the DC comics. And, and I think that it's just going to make this more lifelike. But I also wonder, as you're saying, Phil, I wonder how much of it's going to take away from what we had experienced when we were youth compared to people that are just now getting into it of, Oh, it's not everything that people have made out comic books to be. I wonder if this is really something I want to get into. Or it might be the greatest thing in the world for the comic books. I don't know. But it just it kind of takes a completely different twist on the comic book aspect, which, in my own personal opinion, I lean towards the Marvel aspect because I love that fantasy, the the I don't I don't want to get too counsely about it, but just the idea of there are people out there that are just doing amazing things and let's just focus on the amazing things and battling good versus evil. I just think that, uh, I think for me, what I'm beginning to realize more and more is that comic books aren't for kids and that uh, a lot of the things that used to be for kids, cartoons and even like, uh, I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna go all culture warrior on this, but a lot of different TV channels or TV shows that I would have thought would have been safe for my daughter to watch as she grew older into that you know that that, that older kid age group. I don't think they're safe anymore. That's similar to what I was about to say, Phil. Is that comic books aren't just for kids anymore? And it reminds me similarly to how video game culture has shifted. You know. Everything used to be like Super Mario, cute and fun, because like you said previously, everyone that was playing it were eight-year-old boys, right? Well, all those eight-year-old boys turned into grown adults, and so that's why you know when you look at at the offerings of an Xbox One or a, or a PS4, and you compare that to what is on the Nintendo Wii U, why there's such a contrast is because Nintendo is still making those games for the eight-year-old kids, whereas these other uh, game manufacturers are are putting out and publishing games that are for those those kids that used to be eight years old that are now adults and want adult 
kind of, of interactions and experience with their video games. And so that's how we have mature games and we have adult themes and we have foul language and we have violence and we have these things going on in gaming because the audience has shifted and changed. And just because it's just a video game doesn't mean that it's okay for any kid to play. And I think the same can be said about cartoons, movies, and now comic books that it isn't the audience isn't just kids anymore. It's also adults and you need to be mindful about that and realize that that comic books, video games, these are just these are just vehicles that we have for storytelling and that's what they are. And we need to start we need to start treating them as such and you know maybe that's a space that that the church um could become active in. I'm not I'm not I'm not advocating a full like um crazy uh, Bible comic book per se, even though I've seen some pretty cool ones, but I'm talking about Christians telling stories that have fundamental biblical values, thoughts, ideas, and concepts in a really cool way, and maybe that ultimately is our takeaway. Um, you hinted, hinted towards it earlier, Phil, about about what kind of narrative, what kind of stories are we telling? And I don't just mean the stories between the leather covers of Holy Bible. I'm talking about stories that, that really ref- reflect the character of Christ. And yeah, we, we have no C.S. Lewis. We have no Narnia. We have no Hobbit. It's all gone, you know? Well, we have some. We have some emerging. Um, I know Andrew Peterson's Wing Feather Saga is is on the level of Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and his in his uh, storytelling and and the, and the world that he's created. So there are some some budding uh, authors out there that that are offering that, but it's 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 nothing compared to the tidal wave that that the general market is throwing at us. I think that what what I what I'm, my hope and prayer is, and what my wife and I. Are, been talking a little bit about past few months and, and maybe past year is how do we stimulate creativity in the church to raise up people who have a biblical worldview, have a, a heart full of Christ's love for the world, and have an eye uh, to culture who can create and tell the stories that the church needs told in culture in a way that engages both the, uh, the, the church and the unchurched. That does it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed your stay and have something to think about this week. If you have a comment, question, or a crazy idea for an upcoming podcast, shoot us an email, podcast at churchmag. That's podcast at churchm.ag. Or say, what's up on Twitter, at churchmag. And when you get a chance, leave us a review on iTunes, because that would be really cool. Until next week. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. I think you can cut the audio right there.